Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happy Friday. Welcome to BWI Live. I'm Thomas Freikar, riding solo today, talking to you about Penn State football and the upcoming game against West Virginia next weekend. As always, when I'm here uh, by myself, the co-host is you. So drop, drop your thoughts in the chat, and I'll um and uh while I read and talk at the same time throughout the show. But I've prepared material. As always, when we're doing this, I'm going to give you five things you need to know for when Drew Aller has the football and the offense is on the field for the Penn State Nittany Lions coming up next week. Now, um, of course, as always, we don't 100% know what a team is going to do in the first week of the season because you can make big alterations, you can make small alterations, and there's not any game film from this season. So this is all based on last year and trying to do some research and some information deep diving on West Virginia throughout the off season. And I always love week one because I'm so overprepared. I've had two weeks to look at them. I have another week coming up next week. So I'm going to tell you all the stuff about West Virginia, and then it's going to get progressively less informed as I'm trying to do it within the boundaries of a week at a time. Uh, so we got a great show on tap for you today, and today is our first day of regular season coverage, meaning we're adding the Friday show back into the schedule. So for the next um, indefinite period of time, we'll have a show on Monday. James Franklin's live press conference will be on Tuesdays, and then Thursday through Friday, we'll have a live show for you, 10 a.m. Of course, Wednesdays is the KSN kickoff show, which is a recorded show, but it's still going to live to tape air uh, on Wednesday. So just so you know what's coming up this year, we're full systems go, including uh, some great stuff that I'm going to get to uh, telling you about, if you haven't heard, a little bit later in the show. Um, but the five things that we're going to be uh, charting here today for Penn State football all have to do with how the offense operates and how this guy is able to perform, presumably. I mean, he hasn't been named the Penn State starting quarterback yet, but we're all assuming Drew Aller is the starting quarterback for week one. So how can the defense affect him? How can he affect the defense? And how can the defense affect itself? We've been going over this at bluewhiteillustrated.com. I wrote, like, a lot. So much about the defense. I broke it up into the run game and the pass game, um, I believe, on Tuesday and Thursday of this week. So you can subscribe to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, get that premium content. I'm just picking out five things from that, uh, like thousands of words, to show you here on the show today. So your thoughts and comments in the chat. We'll be getting to those throughout the show. But here is number five. Number five. So a lot of teams want 
to build through they they want to build through recruiting kind of like in the nfl you build through the draft you develop your own talent instead of going to free agency that's the best way because you can pick and choose select grow and kind of tailor your your roster the way you want some teams have taken an aggressive approach in the transfer portal um sometimes you don't really have a choice in that so for west virginia they brought in a lot of transfers for four defensive back positions. It's really five, but for four defensive back positions, they brought in four new players. So let's meet them right now. These are just the defensive transfers, by the way. Beanie Bishop from Minnesota, Anthony Wilson from Georgia Southern, uh, Keyshawn Cobb, who's going to play a slot safety role from what I've seen uh, at Buffalo. He, he played slot corner for the Bulls last season. Montre Miller from Kent State, Devon Hawkins from Tennessee State, Fatorma Mulba from Penn State, Tyron Bradley from Abilene Christian, and of course, uh, Tamiwa Duarjare, and who knows if I pronounced that correctly from Kentucky. He is more, uh, one year Kentucky, he was more of a, uh, I think a project for the long term, a guy that they think has talent that they brought in uh, to be a part of this roster. But the, the top, let's say, uh, five or six on this roster that I'm showing you right now, these are going to be players that are at one level or another integrated into the defense, especially in the secondary. That's where an area where they brought in a lot of these transfers, and I think those guys are going to have the biggest impact. Uh, Cobb and Miller are the two that I would I would single out as they were they were there for spring football, and are at areas where. Uh, they need to replace players directly. Now, there's some players on this list. There's some secondary players that we'll get to in uh, a little bit that I think can help this team. Uh, Anthony Wilson from Georgia Southern. <laughs> you look at his on three. Uh, this is a total aside. You look at his on three uh, recruiting profile, six feet tall. You look at West Virginia, five nine. So, you know, just, you know, the way, the way we all uh, describe ourselves and then our actual heights if you're five nine. But physical player, uh, a slot safety, I, I think there's... You can make any comparison you want to a 5'9 safety all the way from um, Lamont Wade for Penn State if you want to go for a Penn State flavor, all the way up to Tyron Matthew or any of those players. Whatever scale of tiny guy that hits hard, that's what Anthony Wilson is. I think he's a really interesting add to this roster at an area where they struggled last year, that, 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 that boundary safety, the strong safety. I'm interested to see how he and Marcus Floyd play. Marcus Floyd is the returning safety, who was also a transfer last season. Um, he's going to be back this year at that position, so returning starter, but some depth and competition at that position. Keyshawn Cobb, um, 5'10", 204. Looks like a safety, played slot corner for Buffalo. This group... The thing that you need to know about uh, uh, one of the things we covered during all of that conversation about the, the West Virginians, they play a cover four defense, but they also play a lot of dime. So there's like 19 defensive backs on the field. And Wills, uh, Cobb, I think, is going to be a guy that plays that slot corner position, but he's backing up the team's uh, best safety, Aubrey Burks, at the field safety position. So position flexibility is a hallmark of this defense. They play five defensive backs as a base package. They bring on a sixth one all the time and they play a lot of coverage so these guys are going to be very important to the game um yes i understand lamont wade wasn't that good that's the but literally five nine that size that's the point we're talking about here real z is like yes uh they 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 play a guy they picked up a guy who has that sort of profile um we got uh steven i see psu and west virginia game going like the auburn game do you 
Uh, y yes and no. I'll we'll get to that. Reveal that at the end. Uh, and get to you get get you some of that idea later in the show. This defense, and we're gonna get to this next in number four. Coverage is really important. That's why I'm stressing these coverage players. Beanie Bishop. Uh, is going to come in and be a depth player, possibly contribute at a cornerback position. So they brought in four guys, and uh, they're all, I would say, B, B-plus level talent from a lower level. How does that translate to the Power 5 level? Great question, and uh, we're going to find out in just a little bit. Put a pin in these guys because we'll come back to it in just a second, but we got to get to number four. Number four. Number four is the pass rush. This is a very interesting place for West Virginia because they come from the land of the Big 12, which is bizarro world for defenses. Eight-man coverages and three-man pass, pass rushes are almost the norm there. So most coverages are built on the idea that you're rushing four defenders and the rest of the players are in coverage, whether, whether it's three deep and four underneath, or maybe you, you have four deep, three underneath that you can mix and match, you can do a bunch of different things, but typically you don't have eight defenders in coverage because you want to speed up the clock of, of the quarterback. Now, West Virginia is by no means the most aggressive, and by aggressive, I mean passive defense in running three-man pressures, but they run it the most of any Big Ten team if you were to include them into the Big Ten. So the, you're relying on the guys up front to get pressure despite the fact that you can double-team almost all of them. Uh, last year, Dante Stills was the guy that made this kind of work. 11% pressure from the interior when rushing in a three-man pass rush. This year, they're going to be relying on Sean Martin, who is their best defensive lineman overall, returning. He's 6'5", 290, really good run stuffer. He is, first and foremost, a power defensive end that stuffs the run. Uh, again, I'm just comparing body types here. We're not comparing... Uh, you know, styles of play necessarily or overall talent. But deny Dennis Sutton, Sean Martin. Dennis Sutton's not 290, but physical, long, great in the run game. That's what he brings without all the pass rush. Sean Martin, that is. So when they're rushing three, if they decide to rush three, how are they going to get pressure? Well, last year, if we're basing it off what happened, uh, it wasn't great. So this is pressure on three-man pass rushes which you are going to see at some point. I don't know if they're going to do it a lot versus Penn State, but they will rush three and drop eight against a brand-new quarterback. He got 8.8% of his pass rushes. In that situation, he was able to generate pressure. That is 102nd, according to Sports Info Solutions, out in the nation. That is, that, If you're following along at home, that's not good. Uh, and the other defensive linemen that they're bringing in, um, not known as pass rushers. If you look back at that list, Ty Tyron Bradley, we didn't focus on him in the first round, a defensive end, one guy that is six foot three, 255 pounds, actually looks like a defensive end, actually could play like a defensive end, except he's more of a run stuffer as well, playing that bandit position, a hybrid linebacker position in this defense. So they did try to get bigger up front, um, but is it is it pass rushing ability? Not necessarily. And, and diving into how they generate pressure is another interesting thing that I was able to look at in this, in, in this defense. They are not aggressive. They want to get home with four, and they're not going to blitz. So they, they almost never 
send five at the quarterback. And they don't blitz from a lot of different angles despite having so many corners and safeties on the field. What they like to do is they try to sneak a linebacker through your pass protection with a lot of stunts and twists up front. So they'll bring four and give what's called simulated pressure of, you know, a zone drop by their banded defender, and then they'll rush a middle linebacker or a will off the backside or try to overload one gap and get quick, easy pressure that way while still keeping their defensive coverages whole, bringing, you know, trying to maximize their coverages, rally to the football in these situations and make sure that you can't, uh, you know, get a big play because they're one-on-one. A lot of this defense is built around protecting deep. Cover four, having four deep defenders to keep a lid on uh, the deep on the offense and to not allow explosive plays. Dropping eight is about gumming up coverage lanes and not allowing deep completions or intermediate completions and flooding the field with coverage defenders. But it's the Big 12, so ultimately, it's fascinating. I, I wrote about this uh, earlier this week. Cover four, you look at the way that teams attack that defense. It's almost all vertical routes because if you run enough vertical routes into cover four, everything becomes man coverage anyway. So you're trying to protect deep, but you're, you're, the way that teams are attacking you, especially if you've got a pass rush like uh, West Virginia, is uh, you just go deep <laughs> and you take all those safeties and slot safeties and you put them matched up against players in the slot. Keandre Lambert-Smith, Theo Johnson, foreshadowing later that's going to be something that we talk about but getting back to the pass rush this is what drew aller did in a limited sample size when he wasn't blitzed last year so just bringing four or less 22 of 32 for 203 yards and nearly 70 percent completion percentage now it's a really small sample size in garbage time for the most part so we don't want to take too much he might be immeasurably better at this uh, this season, after all the season, after all the work, presuming he's the starter, et cetera, et cetera. But not attacking Drew Aller, not speeding up his clock, not the best idea. Because if you look at when he was blitzed on film and you got some glimpses of it and we saw a little bit of it this uh, summer during training camp, if you can speed him up, last season a 46% completion percentage uh, when blitzed. Better under pressure if you just bring four, but when you blitz, that tends to affect him. Again, it did last year. We'll see how that happens this year. So, not a great matchup uh, for West Virginia. Are they going to come out and be aggressive? Are they going to blitz more than you expect? They're very conservative, so I'm interested to see, does that happen? Does, does West Virginia change up what they do and bring more pressure against a brand-new quarterback, or do they go with, with like what they try to do, which is they, tr they play bizarro coverages. They play uh, subsets of coverages, and they play primarily in a too-high system, which allows you to rotate to a bunch of different things. That's the advantage of playing a too-high defense, is you can get to just about any coverage, and you can still swing a safety down in the box to add numbers. Um, again, we went into how the safeties play and some of the problems that Cover 4 puts the safeties in over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. So a great time to sign up for all this information, all these previews, and then reviews of what we're doing uh, after a game with film review uh, this year. So that is what I, I think is the major thing, is are they going to pressure or are they going to play coverage? Because Drew Aller is a smart quarterback. Whether he's a first-year starter or not, he's a smart guy. He's been putting in the time to study film, and we've seen that he doesn't get rattled unless you force the issue. So if it were me, I would be aggressive and attack the young quarterback, not just give him time to sit back and throw. But West Virginia, that doesn't seem to be 
in their nature. So we got through five and four, and if you're having a good time watching the show, we've got an awesome cr uh, crowd here in the in the chat here watching. Please like the video and subscribe to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com on YouTube. Got a great uh, whole bunch of stuff coming up with uh, with our fall coverage, including, and this is new this year, I'm super excited about this, myself and former Penn State defensive tackle Aeneas Hawkins are going to be doing a live tailgate show three hours before kickoff here on the YouTube channel and 99.5 The Bus locally in State College on the radio. You can come out and see us live at all home games and then away games we'll be doing it in the studio and you can check us out here still on the YouTube channel. We're doing this in conjunction with Seven Mountains Media. I'm super excited for this. I've wanted to do a tailgate show, but it's been hard with all the other guys at bluewhiteillustrated.com. They've got a job to do. They've got a preview coverage. They got to get in. They got to get you insider intel and, and doing a one-man band tailgate show. Not as fun as being able to do it with other people. Aeneas and I, I'm so excited. We're diving into the film. We're watching all this stuff, and we're going to bring that information to you each week, uh, three hours before kickoff in a 90-minute show. So stay tuned for that, and we'll bring you three after this. Are you a company that is passionate about athletics and wants to tap into the Penn State sports community? Maybe you're a community organization in State College, Center County, Pennsylvania, or even Planet Earth. Are you interested in growing your brand and leveraging our YouTube and podcast platform? Or are you just a person that has some money to spend? If you're any of those things, or something I didn't bring up just now, consider advertising on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube show. We have a dedicated and passionate audience that is just waiting to hear from you. Through, through me, talking about your business on the show. That, that's how we do it. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, Email Michelle Delee Hamilton at Michelle at ComanPub.com. That's Michelle at ComanPub.com. We're waiting to hear from you through me talking about you. Again, that's how we do it. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No one loves anything better than an overly awkward long handshake there at the end. Uh, to Mike Scatena says, T Frank in the building. Yeah, it's Friday. We're back. We're going to be doing, I think we're going to be doing like a top five every Friday. I like, I like how this is flowing. Uh, Kenneth, one game at a time. Kenneth says, the real question is how are they going to do against Michigan? Got to get to Michigan first. <laughs> you know, one and no mentality each week, blah, blah, blah. He says, I kid, but anxious to see how the tight end room shakes out. Once again, put a pin in that. We'll be getting to that. Uh, and then Lee sounds sounds like 300 plus yards rushing with all those DBs on the field. Yeah, there's there's a couple other factors in that as well, and that comes up in number three. Number three. So, uh, it, you got to stop the run against Penn State, right? You you have to be aware of Nick Singleton, Catron Allen. They come in with an obvious reputation. Jordan Leslie, when talking this spring. He had this to say about the linebackers. First off, he called his uh, starting linebacker from last year, his starting Mike linebacker from last year, not overly dynamic, which felt like uh, honest to a point of redundance. Like maybe that wasn't necessary to be that 
honest, and then said this about the rest of his linebacking core. He said, the guys we've recruited there, we've poured a ton of time, and those guys we feel are really, really good players. Those guys are going to be dependent upon in 23. He said that during the spring. Does that mean week one? Uh, they are replacing their will linebacker. They have to find a new guy at that position. Lee uh, Punga, I hope so, is his middle is his last name. He's going to be their Mike linebacker. Whether he's the starter or not is going to determine about whether any of these freshmen are ready to go against Penn State. Trey Latham, Josiah Trotter, Ben Cutter, and James Hurd, all uh, class of 2023 guys there at the end. Latham played well last year. Limited snaps, he played pretty well. He's got size, uh, at least better size and physicality and movement skills. But again, still, nobody in this defense is big. Latham uh, is listed at 225 on their roster. So, freshman linebackers, Penn State offensive line, Penn State running backs, and a not dynamic, overly dynamic middle linebacker. There's going to be a lot on the plate of these young guys against the Penn State offensive line, especially with a new defensive line. So there's a lot of replacement going on up front. Last year, West Virginia relied a lot on their front three to gum up running lanes and schemes by doing a lot of moving, twisting, stunting, slanting, Anything they could do to confuse your running scheme, they would try and do it. But that led to a lot of mistakes. That led to a lot of open holes. So are they going to simplify things up front? And are they going to let those guys up front be more aggressive and, and try to let them win with athleticism in the same way, but maybe not so complicated? So you got freshman linebackers. You got new starters on the defensive line. You need to simplify things and play faster. Another thing that they talked about, Latham talked about in the spring but if you're doing that against Penn State, are you going to just get beat at that point? So the run game could be backed into a corner for uh, West Virginia based on all that stuff. And Nick Singleton, explosive runs. If that happens early, that'll then change what they do. It'll force them to drop guys into the box, play more aggressively with those uh, defensive backs, especially the safeties, and uh, could lead to some problems. So let's get to number two, which I kind of hinted at just now. But is going to be a we're going to we're going to fold all this in. We're going to bring everything around and we're going to like just put a nice bow on the biggest problem that I think they could have in week. Number two. So let's let's look at this transfer list again, because you talk about transfers bringing in talent and the player that that you're scouting. Yes, they're a good player. They've got decent athleticism they fit your scheme well they're ball hawks but can do they know your defense and can you get them up to speed we've been talking about Dante Cephas uh this offseason and not being at Penn State and how that affected his progress through camp like he's having to do a lot of stuff you would have done during spring football he's doing that now during Penn State training camp and here's the list of transfers once again but we've highlighted when they enrolled at Penn State again Miller and Cobb, I think, are the two most important ones. They enrolled in January, so that's good. Like, those guys, that's reasonable. They should be up to speed. But Beanie Bishop, who, by the way, did not start at Minnesota, was a uh, situational player, he enrolled in May. Anthony Wilson, who I talked about at the beginning of this, the, the show that I think is good, he enrolled in June. And then you got Bradley, who you, you think is going to be a run stuffer and a compliment up front. He enrolled in May. So you've got some contributors that you're saying, okay, these guys might have to come in and be a part of the conversation for West Virginia. They got here in the summer. When you, when you roll that into, we've got freshman linebackers 
and we've got new guys up front. And Sean Martin is really the one returning starter that had really quality film last year. How many of these guys are going to make a mistake against Penn State? In a game where you're athletically um, overmatched and you've got to play your system fast, smart, and aggressive, but you've got young linebackers, you've got transfers in the secondary, and you've got some new starters up front that you need to break in in game one. Penn State can beat these guys, right, uh, from an athletic standpoint. I don't think it's unfair to say that they have the advantage up front, they have the advantage at a lot of positions. Um, but what if they don't have to beat West Virginia because on one play, one player makes a mistake, another player compensates for that, and suddenly there's a gigantic hole. Like, that's a reality for the running game and the passing game. Coverage busts and mental errors are something they're going to have to be very concerned about. They're going to be, uh, I, I think you simplify your game plan for week one. You're going on the road in a hostile environment. Do you want to be pulling out all the bells and whistles? And if that simplifies the game for them, does that make it easier for Drew Aller? That's, you know, I think that this sets up really well for Penn State to have a really good, um, a really good game for, for in the first game of the season. Uh, I'm going to um and uh through some of your comments because we got a ton of people here in the chat. Um, Kevin says, I think myself and every Penn State fan can't wait to see Aller under the gun. I mean, for the last 10 years, it feels like we always knew we had a, a QB. Now we can finally see if there is one. Uh, that, I think, is going to be the biggest thing. In these tough situations, reading a defense, because... They can cause problems for Drew Aller. Coverage busts aside, the, you can comp the, the overly complicated at times part of this scheme is designed to confuse quarterbacks because most of them aren't the guy. Most of them aren't a franchise quarterback. They aren't the dude. So you're not going to find out immediately in week one if Drew Aller is the guy, but you're going to start to find out. If he's having to throw into eight coverage defenders into... Um, you know, coverages he's never seen before, variants of coverages he's never seen before, guys in positions he didn't expect. Those are all things they're going to do with regularity. Bringing guys from odd positions and having odd alignments pre-snap that he's got to work through to get Penn State in the right position in the run game. These are all things that are very real, real for West Virginia. The offensive line and the quarterback are going to have to work through a lot of stuff. But that's the mental side of the game you want to find out. And if you want to find out against a team that maybe you were looking at this, they've got some disadvantages because of their program building standpoint, it's a great time to have that. But then also maybe you have a couple outs where you get a couple good plays. I won't say lucky, but you you, you take advantage of a mistake or you have one guy that makes Olu Fashanu makes a huge block and gets a, a big hole. Those are all... Um, those are all things that could happen and maybe mask some of the things Drew Aller does wrong, but also then, you know, show signs of life and some things that he does right. Uh, Kate, I'm coming to your, your comment blind here. I think if the play calls are heavier for running over passing, that might show the coaches have less confidence in Aller beginning uh, to be able to carry the team on his back. Could just be going with what works. Yeah, the part of the, there at the set, the second part is with what works. And that gets us to... Our number one topic, uh, our number one thing I'm looking for in this game. And it's the thing we've been talking about all offseason for Penn State football. Number one. 11 or 12 personnel. What, what are the Nittany Lions going to do? 
in week one? Are they going to spread this team out and try to attack that way, or are they going to condense the field and attack them that way? If you look on film, and again, this is always the trick, is what happened last year isn't necessarily an indicator of what is to come, but it's a pretty good template for how you can attack scheme and, and philosophy. The players will change, their performance can change, they can get better, but there are still structural weaknesses to the, the, the defensive scheme. So again, we talked about cover four, invites a lot of deep attacking, despite the fact that you, you are playing that defense to prevent those deep attacks. Because offensive coordinators, they want to get your safety one-on-one -on -one with their best receiver. It's almost like they can't help themselves. Uh, well, last year, it, it didn't really matter whether it was 11 personnel, you spread them out, or 12 personnel, and uh, you condense the formation. Really, that's the difference between how they, uh, how they stopped the run. There really wasn't a difference. They struggled in both areas over the, the course of the season. They had some good plays. I think overall, when you're talking about stopping the run, bringing more bodies into the box causes more chaos, which is also good for the defense. So if you have a confused uh, look up front, somebody misses a block, you cause the running back to hesitate, and then this defense is good at rallying to the football. That could be that could spell disaster uh, early, you know, frustration early for Penn State in terms of not being able to get the ground game going and su sustain success. But if you look at what K-State was able to do and maul them off the line of scrimmage with two tight ends, that also worked last year. It worked to run against this team in four uh, wide sets as well. I think that we've, we've had a couple comments in the chat about spread them out and run. That is something that happened a lot. It's a smaller defense. They want to rally to the football, spread them out and run. But if, if you're Penn State, you've got some really good tight ends. Like really, really good. And this is, I think, the differentiating factor is the run game. It's almost identical if you look at the number of plays that they saw versus the run in 12 and 11 personnel. The difference is it's the Big 12, so everyone's running a hyper-spread offense. Only a few teams even have two tight ends put on the field. So, you know, they saw just way more of 11. But in the passing game, this is what happened last year. Uh, three examples of tight ends having big days. Jatavian Sanders for Texas, 5 for 5, 78 yards, two touchdowns, and an RPO-heavy offense uh, with Steve Sarkeesian. Baylor, Ben Sims and Drake Danby combined for seven catches for 84 yards. Sammy Wheeler and Ben Sinnott of uh, K-State, we talked about them, five for 129. And again, I went back to that, that K-State game. That's a big indicator to me of similar enough play style from K-State to Penn State and similar enough talent with tight ends and Deuce Vaughn at running back that they had, they had a good day against that defense. And last year, we talked about this two-high coverage shell. It's not just cover four, six, Two, they do a couple. They do a little bit of everything in that in that situation. Here's how the Penn State tight ends did against that last year. So this is against two high defenses, all of them included. 19 catches for 320 yards and four touchdowns. If you're playing along at home, that's nearly 17 yards per reception. That is, to me, that's the answer. Theo Johnson, if he's going to have this potentially All-American season, if he's going to go all year long and be this huge play guy, this is a perfect. This is a perfect game for him to do that. And I've talked about this. This is the one matchup I'll point out today. We talked about Marcus Floyd. Last year transferring into the defense. Now it's his second year at that safety position. He can have improved play. He can be better at uh, not overrunning his assignments and not being caught flat-footed on play actions and RPOs. 
or he can still struggle at that. And even if he doesn't, he's not 6'6", 260, and he doesn't run a 4'5 in a straight line. Theo Johnson does all of those things. And if, you, if let's say that um, Anthony Wilson is a really smart player and has digested the entire playbook, and he's ready to go week one. He's 5'9", 194. Is that a matchup you want in your, in your covered shell for the tight ends? Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, physically they've taken a step forward this offseason. They should be able to line up and run on these guys and then play action off of that, knowing Singleton and Catron. Do you see where we're going here? The tight ends are going to be a huge factor in this game, in my opinion. I think that it's going to be a big... It's going, to be a, it's going to be one of the deciding factors if they can hit Theo Johnson on some big plays and if the tight ends can help this running game and overpower West Virginia up front. So to me, you talk about where are you starting? Running backs, running the ball, receivers, throwing the ball. I think you start with the tight ends and how are you going to use them and then build your plan from there because we didn't even mention Khalil Dinkins like they could run three tight ends against this team and I don't think that um I don't I don't think West Virginia has seen a whole lot of that Steven in the chat says T Frank tailgating for uh, an eight-day work week thank you and the BWI team uh, who are covering everything yeah we want to bring you as much coverage as possible we have six shows for seven days this fall um question here where does Lance Dixon factor in great question so he is there he is their Sam linebacker, essentially. They call it the spear position. He is up to 220 pounds now, and he is playing that safety linebacker hybrid role that you'll see Curtis Jacobs, Tony Rojas, that kind of position for the Nittany Lions in their defense, except that he is a quasi-safety. He doesn't play in deep coverage. He's kind of an underneath defender, but they have him walked out over the slot quite a bit. This team tries to stop the run from angles that make me annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like you've got to cover the B gap and you're eight yards out and you've got a 225 pound player. If you run at them and you can defeat all of their chicanery up front and just run and effectively block, they don't have the size to compensate for that. So Lance Dixon, he's going to be playing that role. So he'll be covering the slot. He'll be covering some tight ends. I think that's a part of it, but uh, this defense relies on their safeties a lot uh, to, to do that. Now, that is a good point to bring up with Lance Dixon is that uh, in a good situation, you don't have poor coverage defenders covering Penn State's best players. Like you're going to set it up so that your best coverage defenders are covering uh, the tight ends. But you can't always get that sometimes through a bad call against a formation you weren't expecting or uh, a, a shift by the offense. All these things can create matchups pre-snap that generate these explosive plays. Um, this is from Joel Nye. <laughs> He's saying we should let Prabula get two drives per game outside of a blowout so that you get Bo Prabula involved in the offense. I don't think it's by drive, Joel. I, I think that it's more situationally. Do you want to attack this defense with the read option run game? So everyone's focused on uh, the running backs, and suddenly you have over pursuit, and you want to bring in a player that can throw the ball in a uh, read option situation, kind of a triple option situation where you've got a passing play on top of a run play, like an RPO with a read option, and you're basically optioning them to death. Where if they don't cover Perbula the runner, then he can run. And then he's got the option to throw a quick pass to somebody out in the flat as well. That's where he brings danger into this game, in my opinion. But that's a situational thing. Maybe it's a third down thing. I, I've been saying, like, 
you got a 240-pound quarterback. You can quarterback sneak out of the T formation. But what if the quarterback is also a running option on that play? Like, what does that do if you do the T formation from the pistol? I don't know if you want to do that. I don't know if that's an evolution. I'm just giving options and thoughts when it comes to... Uh, <laughs> uh, Cade says he's got Smolik to, to get in the game as well. Guys, 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 guys. I think they should focus on one quarterback before they start getting in every quarterback. Now, it might be... Uh, it might be the fact that they can get all three in in a blowout. That is a certainly a reality based on what we've talked about today. So going back to one of the questions at the beginning of the show, yeah, I, I think that this can go in a similar way to the Auburn game. It might start out slow, but they can rip off some big runs and some explosive plays either way. I think there's an avenue to that through, through either of those situations because when you try to retool your defense or your offense, doesn't matter where it is because they brought in guys uh, in the offseason for receiver and they've got freshmen they're going to be playing on that side of the ball as well when you're bringing in a bunch of new faces continuity is a real thing in football and you don't want to lose that institutional knowledge from game to game now they have some talented players across the board you don't want to completely you don't want to completely take a dump on this team like they are a power five team this isn't this isn't going up against a a, a non-conference opponent that says thank you very much we'll take the check now like, they will offer resistance in scheme and style, but, like, what, what's the amount of resistance? Kevin says, do you think the QB battle is closer than everyone thinks? I do not. I think this is tactical. Um, I don't think it's particularly effective personally. But if James Franklin wants to hold that information close to the vest because of what I described with what Prabula can do, very different than what Drew Aller can do, and make... West Virginia prepare for both, then that's his decision. Um, but everything we've seen, the quarterback competition is pretty clear. Uh, Drew Alley's been with the ones. Bo Perbeel's been with the twos. He's gotten some reps with the ones, but not, not, what, not enough to call it like a close competition. So that is, that, that's where I see that. Uh, they scheme like that because of a lack of talent on the D-line. Yeah, like the, what Steve is, is completely correct on this. If you this is this is one of my philosophical arguments I have in my head because it's kind of a chicken and an egg thing. You don't have the talent to run traditional stuff, and this is kind of indicative of all Big Twelve defenses. You don't have the talent uh, recruited to run traditional three down and four down fronts, so you compromise and you run some of these exotic schemes. But then you're not recruiting guys that want to come and play in a system that de-emphasizes the D-line and makes you do all the hard work and not get any of the reward of pass rushing. So it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Can you recruit uh, guys to play in this scheme? And you're playing in this scheme because you can't recruit guys to play in anything different. Um, that's why like, I don't... As much as I understand where these innovations come from, when you go too far, I think it's, it's overall a negative in a program-building perspective. But I understand that my job isn't on the line. Like, they've got to do what they've got to do to try and win. So I, I respect the, the fact that they're trying to do this. But from a philosophical standpoint, like, it's not something I would do. Uh, any other questions in the chat? I covered what I had. The five things to watch for. We'll review those again. Defensive transfers. A lot of them. Bringing in some talent, especially in the secondary. A couple on the, like, a lot on the D-line. But they've got returning players that played last year on the D-line as well. Three-man pass rush. How are you attacking Drew Aller? Are you attacking with coverage or pressure? They are a coverage team. I don't think that sets up well for Drew Aller, uh, even if he is a, a first-year starter, first-time starter. Sean Martin, the guy you need to watch out for on the front, but is he a pass rusher that's going to cause uh, havoc? He can get better from last year. I think he's an NFL body. I don't know that he's an NFL pass rusher. 
Um, Aller, when he's blitzed, not as good as when he's clean. Uh, young middle linebackers, are there going to be mistakes up front? Is the run game going to get some easy stuff? And that folds into generally bringing in a lot of new players. Is everyone going to be on the same page? Are they going to pay, play fast and rally to the football, which is what they want to do? I think that's going to be difficult uh, until later in the season when they've had these guys with some live reps and they're into Big 12 play and they want to play that way. It's going to be very tough on the road, non-conference, to do that. And then number one, how are you going to attack this team? Are you going to attack them with condensed personnel or are you going to spread them out? I would go with condensed formations. I would attack them with the tight ends and let let those guys that you think are going to have breakout seasons have those breakout seasons. And I mentioned all the tight ends. Multiple times last year, number one receivers went over 100 yards on like three catches or five catches. So last year, you could attack them with receivers as well. And I think Penn State is not going to solely target the tight ends. It's going to be a balanced attack. Keandre Lambert-Smith is going to get a lot of opportunities to make big plays. So I just think from an, a holistic standpoint of attacking with the run and the pass and making things difficult um, from both perspectives, two tight ends, they have more tight ends than most Big 12 teams to cause problems. Somebody wants a score prediction. We've got to talk about the other side of the ball. So that'll be coming up next week because we haven't talked about the Penn State defense and the West Virginia offense. And I know what you're thinking, like, of course it's the Penn State defense. It's going to be a huge matchup favor for Penn State. That is correct. That's absolutely correct. But uh, just like Penn State, we're going to want to know this week. We are not going to reveal any information until we need to reveal that information. So we'll do that. We'll be taking a look at the offense for West Virginia and the defense for Penn State and how those two match up next week. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. This was a ton of fun. Thank you for contributing. Thank you to everybody for being here. Hopefully you learned something about uh, the upcoming game beyond uh, the basic. I like to go in a little deeper with that stuff, and I hope that, uh, A, all my observations are correct. I've checked my work, but there's always the possibility that there's some stuff that's inaccurate in here. Uh, but also, hopefully you had some fun and uh, you liked all the shiny stuff that we put on screen because nobody wants a 40-minute lecture without some slides, right? So that'll do it for me today. But again, we'll be back on Monday, live recruiting show. And then next week is game week. So we've got all kinds of great content. James Franklin's press conferences, uh, our tailgate shows we talked about, our live post-game show where I'm going over everything that happened, live analysis uh, after the game. Subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube so you can get all of that. We'll talk to you then. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.